0: I want to speak with you about the preacher of purpose, the preacher of purpose, which is a study in the book of Ecclesiastes. For those of you that are reading with us through the Bible this year, we are currently, we just went through the book of Ecclesiastes, and I think that this will richly bless you. The word Ecclesiastes means preacher. It's where we get the word, or it's connected to the word Ecclesia, or Ecclesia. The church. This preacher is generally believed to be King Solomon, who after Jesus was the wisest king that ever walked the face of the earth. So in this book of Ecclesiastes, I don't know if you've ever read it, at times when you read it you will come away from it pretty bummed because it keeps on saying that everything you might do or try or achieve or accomplish is all a chasing after wind. And so, what I want to show you, however, is in this book, you will find some fantastic wisdom and encouragement. This is the book in which we find that portion of Scripture that says, there is a time, and this is Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1 and 4, for everything there is a season, a time for every matter under the sun, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Of course, it keeps going and going. Also, another very famous verse from this book of Ecclesiastes is in chapter 9, verse 10. It says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And here uh, is an interesting one. Uh, that will set many of us straight. This one here is one of my favorite ones, but it says in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 10, Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. People live longing for the good old days and so waste the life that they have. Isn't that fantastic wisdom? Stop saying the good old days. This day is good. Make it good. <laughs> but here is my most favorite one. Well, let me say one of, my, one of my most favorite ones in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4. It says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. In layman's terms, pull the trigger, will you? Get married already. Before we dive into the big idea, however, of this fascinating book, I'd like to create a need for what we're about to discuss. Because sometimes you don't value the answer to a question you don't know. But when there's a question, now your mind starts searching and your heart starts searching for the answer. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a quick look at the state of our community to see just how hopeless and how void of meaning society is today. So what I did was, I studied a few, studied a few articles on suicide rates in the United States, and so this is taken from the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention, and I'm going to read to you exactly what they uh, the, the points that they had right at the top of the article. It said. The suicide rate in 2021 was 14.04 per 1,000 individuals. On average, therefore, there are 132 suicides per day. White males accounted for 69.68% of suicide deaths in 2021. That is almost 70% of all suicide rates, all suicides. According to the NIH, which is National Institute of Health, in 2020, the suicide rates among males were four times higher than among females. As a matter of fact, for every five females who commit suicide, 22 men commit suicide. Just in 2021, 1.7 million people in the United States attempted suicide. 1.7 million. That's what we know of. The increase in suicide rates over the past year is shocking. It's unacceptable. We have to look at that. However, my question is, what drives this sense of meaninglessness that leads to such high rates of suicide? You know, somebody has to come to the point of where nothing makes sense anymore. They have to come to the point of this is no longer worth it. They have to come to the point of I'd rather not be here if this is what it's all about. What drives that sense of meaningless? They have to come to the point of, there really just is no longer any meaning, neither is there any purpose for this anymore. Let's do away with it. What brings them to that point? And what is driving these rates so high today? What causes this lack of value, the lack that they have of the value of life, where life seems worthless to so many people? What is behind it. I believe that the book of Ecclesiastes sheds a bright light on this issue. I believe that it puts his finger right on the problem. So let's look at this book. The big idea of the book of the preacher or Ecclesiastes is this, that any and every attempt that you may make towards satisfaction fulfillment meaning and purpose apart from god is completely futile ineffective and ultimately completely pointless let me say that again any and every attempt to find satisfaction fulfillment meaning or purpose apart from god is futile ineffective and ultimately pointless that's the big idea of the book of ecclesiastes those who look to find meaning and purpose, whether it be through achievements or massive accumulation of wealth or impressive accomplishments, those who look to find meaning and purpose in all of that will discover that meaning and purpose escapes them if they search for it apart from God. So Ecclesiastes does not say, do not have achievements do not accumulate wealth, and do not have impressive accomplishments. It said if you you look for those things apart from God, if in fact those things become an end within themselves, apart from God, fulfillment will escape you completely. Purpose will escape you completely and that's how you will come to this place where nothing is meaningful, sufficiently meaningful for you to continue living. That's how people come to this place Where there simply is no purpose in what we continually do down here on earth. So the bottom line here is, with a big idea, that is apart from God, futility remains man's only option. Apart from God, purposelessness is inescapable. Apart from God, meaninglessness is inevitable and it's unavoidable. To give clarity to Ecclesiastes, however, when you read the book, as we just did, there are two terms that need to be understood and need to be understood very clearly. Two terms that they use or that he uses many times, average 30 times each term is used. The first term is vanity of vanities. The second term is under the sun. Now, we, if we understand those two terms and we realize why he uses it, then we're going to understand Ecclesiastes much clearer. So the preacher writes this book on the reality of life and starts with the statement Vanity of vanities is found in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, we don't oftentimes use the term vanity in, which the, in the way he used it, because what we think of is the vanity where wifey goes and fixes her makeup, right? Uh, but vanity in this, ten, in this context means futility. It means empty of any value. It means empty of any significance, zero purpose. And here he's saying, everything is zero, has zero purpose. Everything has zero value. There is not one thing that we do here that is meaningful. Of this portion of scripture, R.C. Sproul actually gives some insight, which I thought was um, very interesting. He says that, "quote When the author repeats himself." By writing Vanity of Vanities, he uses it twice, he's using a literary device that communicates radical emphasis. We say, so and so is a man of man among men. We say, he says, the Bible is not just a book, but the book of books. We say of Jesus that he is not only the king, but he is the king of kings. See? That literary device takes the word vanity and elevates it to the ultimate degree. What the preacher is saying is that everything is futile. Everything is empty to the highest and ultimate degree. So you open up the book of Ecclesiastes and you go like, why am I even reading this? <laughs> I'm looking for purpose. I'm not, to be, I'm not trying to be convinced that there is no purpose. I already feel like I need more purpose. And now you're telling me that there is no purpose. Why am I even reading this? Well, we're going to see in a little bit how this preacher came to the conclusion that everything in this life is in fact futile. But first, let's look at our, and uh, put our attention to that second term, and we see what it means. What did he mean by saying under the sun? Well, the preacher uses this term 28 times. Uh, With this term, he's referring to all who build their lives on the earth, under the sun. This is over and against the eternal God who sits on His throne and abides in heaven. That is the idea of it being Him sitting above the sun. Right? So the writer is, in essence, drawing a line that separates earth from heaven. So here's the sun, everything under the sun. Here's the sun, everything above the sun. All right? So He basically separates heaven and earth. He separates temporal life From what? Eternal life. So how did the preacher discover the emptiness and the meaning of this temporal life under the sun? Well, what he did was he planned to go out and search for fulfillment in many places, in many ways, as he possibly could. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to go down the list of all the things he attempted to go after in order to make this life under the sun, this temporal life, this earthly life. He tried to make it meaningful. He tried to inject purpose into it. And these are the things he went and tried out. In Ecclesiastes 1 verse 10 and 12, the preacher searches for meaning in progress and scientific discovery, but discovers there is nothing new under the sun. Then secondly, in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 13 and 18, the preacher searches for meaning in wisdom and philosophy. Maybe that will give us meaning and purpose. But discovers it leads to vexation and and sorrow. He discovered that all of that is simply a chasing off the wind. Why? Because it doesn't matter what kind of cute philosophy you come up with, you still die. You can't out philosophize God's word that says you will all perish like beasts. That He knows the days of your life and your last day has been set. Let's read it. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 13, it says, And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving off the wind. What is crooked and cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. But he was greater than all the philosophers of Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. I perceived that this also is but a striving after wind. For in wisdom, for in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So, we see that he tried progress in scientific discovery. And there was nothing new under the sun. He tried wisdom. And philosophy, it led to sorrow. Then what he did is in Ecclesiastes 2 verse 1 and 2, he tries, he searches meaning and purpose in pleasure and entertainment and finds it empty and useless, unable to provide any kind of meaning. Did you realize or do you realize that every one of us have a certain capacity for pleasure and we cannot enjoy anything beyond it? It's why you'll find the child with the absolute most amount of candy and toys and TV games and videos all day long. Eventually, it makes them very unhappy. We own, when our pleasure, when we have exhausted our capacity for pleasure, we're reaching higher and find nothing. We're searching for something else now to give us pleasure, and we can't find it. And now we're angry because anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is when you have an unmet expectation. You see, I was expecting something, it didn't show up and now I'm angry. It's an unmet expectation. Anger is a secondary emotion. And so when, when pleasure, your capacity for pleasure is, is kaput, when it's, when, it's down, when it's over, you're reaching higher for more and, you, and it's not met and now a child turns to anger and you go why are you angry I've given you absolutely everything you've got more than anybody else that I know And so this is what Solomon the preacher experienced right here giving himself to pleasure giving himself to entertainment but he finds that it's ultimately empty and it's actually useless because what can you do with it Ecclesiastes 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, And I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it's mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? How did it save me? From the inevitable. And then fourthly, in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 4, the preacher searches... For the meaning of life in architecture, in beauty, in the construction of buildings, and by (laughs) acquiring real estate. Maybe if I just own a lot. And then number five in Ecclesiastes 2 verse 7 and 8. The preacher searches for meaning and purpose in multiplying his servants. Everybody serve me. He got all these wives including that and he got concubines and luxury and investments. That's chapter 2 verse 7 and 8. And he found it to be empty. So however, the conclusion the preacher arrives at after all of the searching is that he hated his ambitious ambitious efforts to gain meaning. He hated his efforts. He hated his ambitious efforts to gain not just meaning but fulfillment and purpose because they were all empty. It was all vanity to him. It didn't change his inevitable outcome. He realized that nothing, ha- nothing is long-term. If all you live for is under the sun. He became filled with despair when he realized he actually does not have any answers for his questions regarding a meaningless life. Here is why the preachers, uh, the preachers concluded everything is vanity. I want to read it to you in Ecclesiastes two verse eighteen through twenty one. It says, "I hated all my toil. I hated my work, because he realized it was for nothing. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be he will master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity." So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 19 he continues, he says, For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts are the same. In other words, what happens to these wonderful human beings, all all you humanists, what happens to you, and what happens to the beast of the field, it's the same thing. You think you're special. The inevitable stares you down. Verse 20, all who go, all go to one place, all are from the dust, and to dust all return. So he was considering the fact that if, if there's no afterlife, all right, if all he's focused on is below the sun and all he lives for is what happens below the sun and all he lives for, all his purposes is aimed at what happens below the sun and if, there is, uh, if, if, if this life is all there is then what do we live for? Because the inevitable is there. <laughs> There is nothing we do that has longevity. Everything we do and experience goes away. Just as if it never was. Just goes away. Then you think about, but I did so much, and then it all just goes away? What vanity, this life under the sun. All our hard work, all our gain, all our pleasure, all our purpose, as if it never was we buried and then we are forgotten. <laughs> That's a wonderful thought. <laughs> Vanity of vanities to the highest degree. Emptiness to the highest degree. So what is the solution he discovers? Because this, this is where God, of course he's a genius. But he's so genius in how. He puts every man in checkmate. Because there isn't a philosopher, there isn't an atheist that you listen to on TV, some elitist atheist that's now so famous and well-known and everybody celebrates because they can ask you questions about God that you cannot answer. Yeah, sure. But you realize if all you live for is this life, it's futile and you know it. And that's why you're so depressed. And that's why so many are in the category of saying, the meaninglessness of this life is too much to bear. Let me rather end it now. So what is the solution that he discovers? What does the preacher conclude What is it that would take away this emptiness, this purposeless, this meaningless of life? And what can make it meaningful? Well, in Ecclesiastes 12:13 he says, "The end of the matter, the end of the matter, after having searched from beginning to end at the end of his life, he says, "After all has been heard, fear God, look beyond the sun," in other words." Not just everything below the sun. Everything below the sun, if that's all you live for, if everything you do is a means unto its own end, it's meaningless. But, if you acknowledge what happens above the sun, in other words, if you acknowledge God sitting on His throne, He says, Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, The whole duty of man, all of your searching, all of your accumulation, all of your achieving, all of your accomplishments, all of your doing, all of your toil, all of your hard work, no matter what it is, fear God in it. Acknowledge Him. Why do you think we pray? Lord, if it be Thy will, allow us to go to this city and that city, start a company and make a lot of money. If it be Your will, God, whatever it is, in other words, look beyond the sun in all of your planning. Look beyond the sun in all of your strategy. In other words, look to God. He is sovereign. And that is, that is the problem I see that the modern church has, is they no longer see God as sovereign. They have elevated themselves to a place where God is now having to be okay with whatever they choose to do. It's like Jesus says, yeah, I go I'll prepare a place for you. I'm going to go and prepare a place. In my father's house are all these mansions. He built all these mansions. And currently, this is the message that's preached today. Currently, he's sitting there going like, I hope somebody chooses me so I can fill this room. At least one room. <laughs> I hope somebody chooses me so at least. And let's, let's hope for 50% occupation in, for the rest of eternity. So at least I can fill half of my mansions. Now, He made every mansion for a specific person. He is sovereign in all things, especially in salvation. So, what is the solution? The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God. Fear God in how you get up and go to work in the morning. Not just fearing God in your kind of work, but fear God In the way you do your work. Fear God and how you treat the people. Fear God and how you treat your family. Fear God and how you treat your children. Fear God and how you treat him. Fear God and how you treat his body. Fear God and what you do with your mind. Fear God and what you allow your thoughts to do. Fear God and what you allow your desires to grow into, fear God and what you do with your vices, fear God and what you do with when you step over the line with another person. A couple of men, we got together a while ago, and we were talking about, okay, so how often do you apologize? How often do you apologize? Well, not really. I don't really apologize much. What you are saying is you don't really think that you're doing anything wrong. (laughs) It's like, you know, uh, people who don't apologize are people who who, who have a twisted view of themselves because they see themselves as not ever, you know, stepping out of line relationally with other people. So fear God and all that you do under the sun. Fear Him and that makes what you do under the sun meaningful. Why? Because now you're playing the long game. Now you're playing the eternal game. Now you are eternally minded. The preacher here discovers outside of God everything under the sun would be meaningless, but considering God, fearing Him in what you do under the sun, makes it eternal, therefore meaningful and purposeful. If this life is not lived in light of heaven, then this life will be purposeless and meaningless. And this is why. Why do you think so many people don't have purpose and meaning? Because this is the only world they're living for, that's why. It is exactly because somebody has their focus set on heaven that makes life on earth so rich. Now, when you give a glass of cold water, even to the least of these, it's like you've given it to me. Oh, even the, the smallest thing that you do unto Him counts for eternity. Romans chapter 1 verse 28, watch this, it says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, they were under the sun, and they refused to look beyond. They did not acknowledge Him. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And then watch what these people got filled with, all right? So these people who live for this life alone, you know what we call them, right? Humanists. Secular humanists. Humanists. They live for this life alone. They believe that when they die, they become compost. And everything that they have done becomes meaningless. That's why their whole entire life and existence has no purpose. Why does anybody even want to be an atheist? You have no chance if there is an eternity. And the only life you have, you turn into a meaningless bunch of actions. purposeless. But here it says, look at, look at them, okay? In verse 28 of Romans chapter 1, it says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, secular humanism, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Watch this. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. This is the result of ignoring God. They filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. Of course they're going to be covetous, because this is all you've got. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Man, it's like he's not stopping. <laughs> Guy's in bad, sh- bad shape. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways, in all that you do, acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. 1 Corinthians 10, 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In other words, here's that line that divides this world from the next. The sun. that's His statement. Everything under the sun, whatever you do, do it to the glory of the One who's above, the Son, the Eternal. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and honor Him with the first fruits of all of your produce. This is what you do down here. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Colossians three seventeen says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I mean, the, the, the Bible is incessant on, persistent in, You put your mind on things above. And the peace of God will fill your hearts. Live not towards the end of this life. But live towards the beginning of the next. That's His message. Colossians 3 verse 2 and 4. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears... Then you also will appear with him in glory. Family, everything we do, everything we do in this world under the sun, has to have God's fingerprint on it. You know how you you know how you go through your day. Your conscience is all your conscience is having a party all by itself. You know you're all happy and everything. The moment you step out of line. Your heart smites you. Why? Because you know, God is here. (laughs) Nothing escapes Him, right? That's what the Bible means by always pray. Nobody's going to take 24-7, close their eyes and pray 24-7. It says, pray always, always pray. In other words, do everything you do prayerfully. Respond prayerfully. In other words, oh, Sorry, Lord. You know, how you, you know how you do that? Somebody cuts you off and you say something you shouldn't, you go, ah, oh, sorry, Lord. This is how you ought to live because that is how you connect what you do down here with God who is on His throne today. Father, we pray that we can live lives filled with purpose, filled with meaning, Because we know we are already eternal beings. We are already living eternally. You have already given us eternal life. We already have it. We will one day lay down this earth suit and we will continue walking with you. We are already saved eternally from death and the sting of death. And since we are living for eternity, Father God, every single thing that we do here matters there. And therefore, every single thing we do has eternal purpose. Therefore, it is meaningful. Amen.